Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. إن الحمد لله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم 
ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار اعاذنا الله واياكم منها اجمعين اما بعد dear brothers and sisters one of the most frequently repeated commands of allah ta'ala in the quran is to observe his signs his signs in creation allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us inna fi khalqis samawati wal ardi wa ikhtilafil layli wan nahar la ayatin li ulil albab indeed in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the alternation of night and day are signs for those of depth ulul albab now the early muslims from the sahaba and onward did not just read past this verse without actually contemplating on it and that is because they learned from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam that one must actively contemplate actively reflect on these verses the great imam ibn hibban records a hadith from sayyida aisha radhiyallahu anha it mentions that ubaidullah ibn umair once visited her and he said tell me of the most wonderful the most amazing thing you saw from the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam and sayyida aisha began to weep and she said one night he got up to offer salat and he said to me ya aisha leave me to worship my lord and i said by allah i love to be near you and i also love what makes you happy she went on to say he got up and he made wudu and he stood to pray and he began to weep in the salat and he continued weeping until his blessed lap was moist with tears and he kept weeping more and more until the ground was wet and after that she said bilal radiyallahu anhu came to seek permission to call the adhan for fajr and when bilal radiyallahu anhu saw the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam in this state he said ya rasulullah are you weeping like this when allah has forgiven all of your sins past and future and to this the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam said afala akunu abdan shukura he said this on multiple occasions should i not therefore be a grateful servant then he said tonight 
there are some ayat that have been revealed to me. And woe, wail, woe unto the one who reads them and does not ponder them. And among these verses, dear brothers and sisters, he recited, إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ لَآيَاتٍ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Among the verses Allah revealed that night, they caused him to weep. Are the verses in Surah Adi Imran where Allah Ta'ala says, Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the alternation of night and day are signs for those of depth who are those who remember Allah while standing and sitting and reclining on their sides and who contemplate and ponder the creation of the heavens and the earth. He said, Woe, wail, woe unto those who read these verses and do not ponder upon them. Dear brothers and sisters, these signs of Allah Ta'ala in creation all around us are meant to be observed and it's meant that we derive lessons from them. And these signs are in the creation, outside of us, and they are signs inside of us. Ayat that are on the horizons, fil afaq and signs within us. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ We will show them our signs on the horizons and in themselves so that it becomes clear to them that He is the truth. He is the real. So these signs that we are to observe are meant to impart lessons for us. They're meant to teach us the patterns of existence. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned so many ayat in creation within Al-Quran Al-Kareem. He directs our attention to so many signs. He directs our attention to the sun and the moon as signs. He says subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَالشَّمْسُ تَجْرِي لِمُسْتَقَرٍ لَهَا ذَلِكَ تَقْدِيرُ الْعَزِيزِ الْعَلِيمِ وَالْقَمَرَ قَدَّرْنَاهُ مَنَازِلًا حَتَّى عَادَكَ الْعُرْجُونِ الْقَدِيمِ لَالشَّمْسُ يَنْبَغِي لَهَا أَنْ تُدْرِكَ الْقَمَرَ وَلَا اللَّيْلُ سَابِقُ النَّهَارِ وَكُلٌّ فِي فَلَكٍ يَسْبَحُونَ In Surah Yasin, Allah says, The sun travels for its fixed term. That is the design of the Almighty, the All-Knowing. As for the moon, he says, we have ordained precise phases for it until it ends like an old curved palm stalk. It is not for the sun, he says, to catch up with the moon, nor does the night outrun the day. Each is traveling in an orbit of their own. So the sun and the moon and everything else in nature Follow the divine order that Allah has set for them. The divine order. This means that everything in existence is in a state of Islam with the lowercase i, the lowercase Islam of submission to Allah subhanahu 
wa ta'ala as he says elsewhere in the Quran afaghayra dinillahi yabaghun wa lahu aslama man fi as-samawati wal ardi taw'an aw wa karhan wa ilayhi yurja'un to him everything in the do they seek a deen a way other than the way of Allah when to him everyone in the heavens and the earth submits willingly or unwillingly and unto him is their ultimate return so human beings as well as jinn they do have the capacity to obey or disobey but everything else in creation are following a very specific divine order and this divine order is everywhere around us then you have the other divine order and that is the divine order of law of ethics of character and that divine order what we call the sharia or that source of water that life-giving source the sharia is there to train us to be disciplined and organized and to not be haphazard lazy or scattered so we see this theme of order nizam within the quran in surah al-furqan allah ta'ala mentions wa khalaqa kulla shay'in faqaddarahu taqadira allah says and he created everything and apportioned it in a very specific manner in Surah Al-Mulk, Allah Ta'ala also draws our attention to the heavens and the earth. And He says that when you observe the heavens, you will not find any tafawut, any imperfection, any disorder, any disarray. مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَانِ مِنْ And we see that application of order in the sharia that life-giving source of sacred law allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions elsewhere in the quran yas'alunaka 'anil ahillah qul hiya mawaqitu lin-nasi wal-hajj they ask you the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they ask you about the phases of the moon say they are the means for people to determine time and for the pilgrimage the hajj allah ta'ala also establishes order in the prayer times allah ta'ala mentions inna salata kanat ala al-mu'minina kitaban mawquta indeed the prayers have been apportioned for the believers in fixed times so order is established by divine law so when we reflect on this order that exists already outside of us in the cosmos and the order that allah gives us in the sharia we see that it really speaks to the essential nature of what reality is and what we should be aligned with so we find the prayer times are arranged divine order is given for the prayer times the times are not of our choosing we don't get to pick the times of the prayers they are ordered in specific hours the moon phases also are determined for determining ramadan determining hajj and each month 
We have the prayer rows, the sufuf in salat. They are meant to establish order where the imam is in the front orienting the rest of the people. We have the qibla, which establishes order in organizing our direction and our focal point into one location. And then there's order in our words, order in our contracts, in our promises, in our marriage contracts. Even in matters of divorce, there is order in how it is done properly. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Muslimu ala sharti. A Muslim's word is his bond. So there has to be order even in the words we utter. And then we have order in the prioritization of duties and responsibilities. Because as we enter adulthood, we are beset with responsibilities, with duties and chores. And as adults, you all know that there's always things to do. There's always things that have to be done. There's always relationships that have to be maintained. There are skills that have to be developed. There are things that need to be revised and updated. So we all have responsibilities. We have responsibilities in parenting, in work. We have responsibilities in dealing with family and children, in our, dealing with our parents, our siblings, our spouses. We have responsibilities in our religious duties, in our work duties, in our financial duties. Our physical bodies have to be maintained as well. We have relationships with others as friends, as acquaintances. And for all of these responsibilities to be properly fulfilled, they all require that we have order. They all require that we have order in our life. And you find that if someone focuses just on one or two of these many responsibilities they have, is going to tilt the balance and create problems in the areas that they neglect. They're going to lose proper order. So for example, if you, if you neglect children in the name of earning money, you're going to fall into imbalance. You lose order. If you focus on children and neglect your financial responsibilities, you fall into disorder. If you neglect your parents in the name of being healthy physically, you'll fall into disorder. So excess in one thing always leads to a lack in something else. And that's when we get into trouble. So when we're in trouble, when we find that we're struggling balancing everything in our life, we find that our lives are in disarray and disorder. Usually it's because there is an excess in one thing and a lack in something else. So what is the nature of all of this? It is observing our responsibilities and establishing proper order so that we are attuned with everything else outside of us in creation. The sun, the moon, everything in nature that is established according to a proper order. So it is only by establishing order in our lives that we will have the proper manner of living. And when we make an attempt to see what our responsibilities are and establish balance and order in all of them, 
then what happens is we actually become angelic. We become like the angels in a way. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran about the angels, وَمَا نَتَنَزَّلُ إِلَّا رَبِّكَ The angels speak and Allah quotes them. And they say, we only descend by the command of your Lord. Who is your Lord? This, they're speaking to the Prophet We only descend by the command of your Lord. So pay attention to how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the Prophet in this ayah by saying, Rabbik, your Lord. This is a reminder for us. The angels are not a disorganized group. They don't come and go here and there and everywhere in a disordered manner. They only come with a specific role at a specific time in a specific manner according to the order of their Lord that he imposes upon them. Every angel in the unseen has its own wadifa, its own role and duty. Its own job. Some of the angels are recording the actions and statements of people. Some of the angels are in charge of driving the rain clouds. Some angels are charged simply with delivering each raindrop in the exact location that Allah has ordained for it. And then you have other angels whose only job is to be in a state of sajda in the heavens. And then you have other angels, like the angel Jibreel alayhi salam, whose duty is to deliver the wahi, the revelation from Allah to the prophets, but who would also participate in certain battles with Allah's command. So this is order. And Allah Ta'ala commands the ummah of the Prophet wasallam to have order in its life and even order in its struggles against falsehood and oppression. Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِهِ صَفًّا كَأَنَّهُمْ بُنْيَانٌ مَرْصُوصٌ Indeed, Allah loves those who struggle and fight in His path when they do it in rows, as if they are a fortified structure with order, nidham. Dear brothers and sisters, this nidham, this order that is in creation and also a part of the guidance of sharia applies to everything in our life. It doesn't just apply to the big things. It also applies to the so-called mundane things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even commands us to have order in things as seemingly mundane as food. And we have a really beautiful example of the imposition of order by the Prophet ﷺ in the matter of food. In a hadith, we learn that one day as the Muslims were in intense hunger before one of the battles, the Prophet ﷺ had 80 companions with him. And he invited all of them to go to the house of Abu Talha. Now Abu Talha had rushed home to speak to his wife and ask about what food they have in the house. And she said that all we have is some barley for bread and some fat for cooking. 
So he told her to prepare some food, and she prepared the dough, and she added the fat. And when the Prophet ﷺ arrived, she said, Ya Rasulullah, this is our food. And at that point, Rasulullah ﷺ said to Abu Talha, invite 10 people inside. How many did he have with him? There were 80 people. He said, invite 10 people inside. So 10 people came inside and they sat down and they ate the food and then they left. After those 10 people left, he said, bring 10 more. And Abu Talha went and brought 10 more people. And they too came inside, they sat down, they ate, and then they dispersed. After they were gone, he told Abu Talha to go and call for 10 more. And this went on until all 80 had eaten from that food that Allah Ta'ala had blessed. Ordinarily, that would not have been enough food for even four or five people. But it was sufficient for 80 people because Allah infused that food with barakah, with blessings. Allah Ta'ala put barakah in that food. Yet subhanallah, even with the barakah in the food, the Prophet wasallam established order. The presence of barakah in the food did not make it a disorganized affair. He didn't have all 80 people rush into the home and eat it all at once. He established order even in something that had barakah infused in it. Dear brothers and sisters, this deen is a deen of order. It is a deen of structure. It is a deen of discipline. And there is this reciprocal relationship between order and the proper practice of the deen. There is a relationship, a reciprocal relationship between order and the proper practice of Islam. If we discipline ourselves and we establish order in our lives, we are better able to live according to the guidance of Allah and His Messenger and if we are living according to the guidance of Allah and His Messenger properly, it actually creates more order in our lives as well as more discipline. So if we're suffering from disorder, if we are out of whack, if there is imbalance in our life, disorder in our time, in our life, in our living spaces, in our minds, in our hearts, then we're going to suffer the effects of that disorder in our deen as well. And when we strengthen our commitment to the deen, that will lead to establishing more order in our minds, in our hearts, in our persons, in our spaces. So we ask Allah Ta'ala to bring us in sync with the patterns of order that he, that he has established in creation. As we said, the sun and the moon and all of the signs in nature are following a very particular pattern. Allah has established a set order for creation and it is up to us to establish order within ourselves, in our lives, in our time, in our living spaces, in our communities, in our families. And if we don't, establish that order in discipline, we will suffer the consequences. May Allah make us people of order, of structure,
people of discipline inwardly and outwardly. Amin. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fika ma yuhibbu rabbuna wa yardah. Wa salatu wa salam al-atamman al-akmanan al-mutalazimani ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Dear brothers and sisters, the son of Imam Hussein ibn Ali radiyallahu anhuma, who was known as Sayyiduna Ali ibn al-Husayn, also known as Imam Zain al-Abidin radiyallahu anhu wa arda, this great man, was one time having a conversation with a Christian. And this Christian said to him, there is nothing in your scripture, meaning the Quran, that speaks about medicine. And Imam Zayn al-Abideen radiallahu anhu replied, how can you say that when half of all medicine is contained in a single verse of the Qur'an. Allah says, Kulu washrabu wala tusrifu. Eat and drink, but do not be excessive. He says, half of all medicine is contained in this verse. And hearing this verse, the Christian man said to him, By God, your scripture has left nothing for Galen, who was Galen? He's basically the founder and the codifier of what we today would call modern medicine. He was the codifier of it, the organizer of its structure. And he was well respected, a Greek man. He said, your scripture has left nothing for him. So this is a very simple but true message. Order and moderation in food and drink are the main drivers of health and vitality. However, dear brothers and sisters, the simple is not always easy. Something may seem very simple. It may be simple, but how many simple things are actually very challenging to apply? How many simple things are actually hard to establish in one's life? The message of order is a very simple message. It's very clear, but it's not easy. Imposing order is no easy task because order is a kind of resistance and it requires mujahada. It requires striving because order is the resistance of chaos. Order is resisting chaos. So everything in our life is really a decision between order versus chaos. What are we going to choose? Chaos is the natural result of forsaking order and discipline in our lives. Chaos is the path of least resistance. That's the path of disorder, the path of least resistance, but it's also the path to loss. Wal-asr, inna al-insana lafi khusr. Loss is the easy path. It's the path of least resistance. 
the path of chaos. But the sacred order, what we call the Sharia, is vast. And when we contemplate it, we see that Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa have established rulings and principles and guidance that are meant to bring order in our lives and order in society around us. And when we fail, it's because there is a lack of order, a lack of discipline. So let's look at some examples of this. We have eating and drinking, disorder in eating and drinking. The data shows that nearly one billion people are undernourished and hungry each day. But that's not really because of a lack of food. It's because of food waste. According to the latest stats, 900 million tons of food are discarded every single year worldwide. And of that, 40 million tons are discarded here in the U.S. And when you think of food wastage, you might think that this is a first world problem. But it's not a first world problem. It is across the world. When you look at food wastage and the rates of food wastage across the world, per capita, the top 10 countries for food waste, four out of those top 10 are Muslim majority countries. That is a lack of order in eating, in preparing food. We have disorder in sleep because sleep is something that people really like and disorder in sleeping is actually the norm. People for whom waking up for Fajr on time is an exception and not the norm. Imposing order with sleep for most people really means one thing, if we're honest with ourselves. Imposing order with sleep really means one thing, and that means putting the phone away. That's what it is, essentially. For most people, it's just putting the phone away. So establishing order in sleep means putting the phone away, as well as establishing a healthy sleep routine and getting up on time for Fajr, regardless of how one feels, until getting up for Fajr becomes the norm and not the exception. We also have disorder in work, cutting corners, getting by with the bare minimum at work, cheating others, seeking the easy way out. Even though all of these things are in stark contradiction to the explicit guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam who says inna allaha azza wa jalla yuhibbu idha amala idha amila ahadukum amalan an yutqinah he says sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam indeed Allah loves that when one of you does something does some action and yutqina that he does it with mastery what is mastery itqan that is imposing order through self-discipline and doing it right with integrity. The Prophet ﷺ also told us that every single prophet sent to humanity from the beginning until the end, every single one of them had a vocation 
before they were tasked with their message. What was that vocation? What was that job? They were shepherds. They were shepherds guiding sheep. That is a deep wisdom in the prophets all being shepherds because it trains them in establishing order because they have to establish order among a disorganized flock of sheep, imposing order. That was their primary vocation before they received their message. Now we have disorder and other things as well, not just food, not just sleep or work. We also have disorder in things such as parking. We have disorder in parking. It even shows up there, inconsiderate parking at the masjid, which is the perennial complaint across most masajid in North America, the complaint about people being inconsiderate in how they park at the masjid. That parking issue that masajid complain about, it's not because people are poor drivers and don't know how to park a car. It's because they do not impose order and discipline and making sure they park in the best possible way. And the clearest proof of that is the fact that the people who are inconsiderate in their parking at the masjid, who may double park or park in places where they shouldn't, they would never think of parking like that at their workplace or at school or at a government facility or anywhere really outside of the masjid. They let their guard down, they become lax in their discipline in when they come to the masjid. This is a lack of order. It's a lack of discipline. It's a lack of integrity. And then lastly, dear brothers and sisters, there's disorder in what we've been speaking about for the past couple of weeks. And that is disorder in the matter of salat. Disorder in the prayer. Missing the prayer, praying outside of the time. And if it's prayed on time, there's little focus. And then we see that lack of order in other things too, like Hajj. We see disorder in the Hajj. Yes, there are large crowds of people, and it's difficult to manage millions of people. But there's also a lack of self-discipline in order when it comes to simply following instructions, disposing of litter, and being organized in a very basic way. It's a lack of order that proliferates in matters of salat, in matters of hajj, of food, sleep, work, and so on. So what's the solution? We don't just want to complain. We can rant about these issues all day long, but what is the lesson we have to take from all of this? It is meant not to rant for the sake of ranting, but the lesson is to recognize the virtue of order and discipline and embrace them in our lives. Dear brothers and sisters, if you reflect deeply on order and discipline, you'll realize that order and discipline are at the root of every single virtue. Every single virtue calls for order and discipline of the self. But where does that come from? Where does that order come from? Where does self-discipline come from? The answer is it comes from within. You can have discipline imposed on you by a person, by your parents, by the government, 
You can have self-discipline or discipline rather imposed on you by a self-help guru on TV. But the reality is those others cannot give us discipline. You can give discipline to children, but they have to make a conscious decision at some point in their life that they're either going to have it or not. Externally imposed discipline is not going to last. It doesn't last because it can't stand on its own. That means that what is required is self-discipline. Self-discipline comes from within. And it comes when we decide to be more disciplined, when we decide to be better, when we decide to establish order. It is a conscious decision that we have to make. Now, does that virtue of order and self-discipline have a name? What would we call that according to the language of the Qur'an? What would be the Arabic word given to this virtue by Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Does it have a name? It does. And that name, there's actually more, more than one name, but we can give it the name Azm. Azm is often translated as resolve, but it can also mean imposing order, having the resolve to get things done properly, having the resolve to order oneself. The great Imam Raghb al-Asfahani, rahimahullah, he mentions in his work on ethics, al-dhari'ah, that Azm is the heart's decisive resolve to commit to do something. It's a conscious decision. And the Prophet ﷺ taught us to ask Allah for this Azm. In one hadith, it is related that he would make the following dua in his salat. He would say, Allahumma. إِنِّي أَسْأَلُكَ الثَّبَاتَ فِي الْأَمْرِ وَالْعَزِيمَةَ عَلَى الرُّشْدِ O Allah, I ask you for firmness in matters and for resolve, azima, resolve in, upon guidance. Dear brothers and sisters, this virtue is all-encompassing. And we have to ask ourselves, what is the difference between amateurs, and professionals in any endeavor, whatever it may be, could be sports. What's the difference between a professional in something and an amateur? It can be in any endeavor. The difference between an amateur and a professional is that a professional has a standard. The professional has a standard to meet. That means that if we want to be more quote-unquote professional in how we carry ourselves in matters of life, in matters of deen, we have to have a standard. It is only by having a standard that we can really know if we are growing or if we're digressing. It's only by knowing what the standard is. The, the standard for how we should be and how we should carry ourselves. This means we have to know the standards of Allah. The standard set by the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. And we have to measure ourselves by those standards. Practically speaking, we have to start small. We have to be realistic about where we are as Muslims. We have to start small. 
Are we establishing order in those basic commands of Allah where he commands us to have order or are we falling short? How is our order with regard to salat? What about the order with regard to work or our physical health and well-being? Do we uphold the standards of excellence with our work, with our families? Or do we let bitterness, resentment, or laziness hold us back? Do we have habits that degrade and corrode our iman? Or habits that degrade and corrode our physical health? Are there things that we can do right now to reestablish some order in our lives? What can we commit to right here and right now to make ourselves even slightly better? This calls for reflection. We really have to put a magnifying glass to our lives to, to ask those questions and learn the proper answers. The reality is, dear brothers and sisters, this is dunya. And the reality of dunya is that most of the time, things don't really go our way. So if we can't get better until the times are perfect, if we can't get better when times are tough, we can't get better at all. It's a lie that we tell ourselves when we say to ourselves, I will get better when things get better. I will improve when things outside of me improve. When the sky is blue, when the birds are chirping, when everything is nice and calm, that's when I'm going to get better. But that's a trick of the nafs, the ego. And that's a trick of the shaitan. If our condition for establishing order and discipline, for getting better, is having a perfect life situation, then that means that we're never going to get better. That's the reality. Because the timing is never going to be right. Things are never going to be ideal. We have to make a decision regardless of the circumstances around us. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the burden on our shoulders. And this is the burden that we have to bear every single day. Because as insan, as human beings, we accepted the amana, the trust of Allah Ta'ala that was offered to the heavens and the earth and the mountains, which all of them refused. Human beings accepted that amana. And that means we have to accept responsibility bestowed on us and accept every day that we must uphold the standard given to us by Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah tells us about this amana when He says, إِنَّا عَرَضْنَا الْأَمَانَةَ عَلَى السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَالْجِبَالِ فَأَبَيْنَ أَنْ يَحْمِلْنَهَا وَأَشْفَقَنَا مِنْهَا وَحَمَلَهَا الْإِنسَانِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ ظَلُومًا جَهُولًا Allah says that we offered the trust to the heavens and the earth and the mountains, but they all declined to bear that amana, being fearful of it. But humanity assumed it. Humanity assumed it, for truly they are wrongful to themselves and ignorant of the consequences. But it's the reality we have as insan, as those endowed with aql, with intellect, 
with the ability to choose between right and wrong. So really, in all of this, there's a motto we have to take moving forward. And that motto is, I as a Muslim, as a member of the Ummah of Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I accept responsibility bestowed upon me by Allah and I understand my way of life must be aligned with fulfilling that amana, And that is by establishing order and discipline. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to assist us in establishing that order. To always allow us to set our sights on that ideal, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of how much on fire the world is, that amana remains. We ask Allah to allow us to embrace that azima, that mujahada, that commitment to excellence in our endeavors and to forgive us our shortcomings and for us to recognize that shortcomings is also our human nature and that we're always in this tug between order and chaos. May Allah bring us better to order and remove from us chaos inwardly and outwardly and make us min ahlil ihsan the people of mastery, of itqan, of excellence. Ameen. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad, abdika wa rasulika al-nabiyyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim. Wa sallim tasliman kathira bi qadri azamati thatika fi kulli waqtin wahin. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وقوموا إلى صلاتك